Okay. You got me nervous already. So Yeah, I'll do the intro on this one then. All right. Go ahead. So the uh I, I tell you, I'm gonna uh, I've got more notes here than I normally do. Oh, I, I've boy. got you know a lot of times I kind of go ahead and apologize little, uh, to our sometimes I share this. little short things, but this time and you're the one that kinda has a longer type of deal. Well I've got a longer type of deal. This is we may have to sing just as I am at the end of this <laughs> when it's all done. This is <laughs> yeah. a, I've got a whole sermon. You can start the intro music anytime you want, by the all way. All right. So. Okay. All right. Well. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Fields Brothers show. Welcome to the Fields Brothers Show podcast. I am Jeff Fields. I am here with my older brother, Roger, and we are at his site in the main cave on the uh, property known as Moonlight Fields, an event venue, not menu, a venue here in central Kentucky. And we like to get together and just pretend we're just sitting at Cracker Barrel and you're at the table with us. And as Roger and I have a conversation, you're a part of it as we talk about the grace of God and the good things that God has done for us through Christ and the cross and the freedom that that brings. And it may be a little different than what you normally hear on Sunday morning. And Roger likes to point out occasionally that the things, the views expressed on this podcast, how do you say it may not exactly may do something? May not necessarily represent the views of the, the staff and management of your local church. Right. So that. So you got that there as well. Yeah, so speaking anyway. of Cracker Barrel, I have a good relationship with Cracker Barrel. I think if we ever wanted to do a podcast there, I might actually be able to pull that off. That would be I never thought of that. Would they? I don't know. They might. Depends on what time of the day. I mean, <laughs> yeah, not, not the first all Saturday that morning be when a, it's packed, you know, right. but I don't kind know. Kind of during the middle of the afternoon when they're, or at night. I mean, it they clear out pretty tough, early at Cracker know. Barrel. What time does Cracker Barrel close? Nine o'clock or something? No, I think it's later than that. Is it? I think it's 10, I think. It tends to be an earlier I, I crowd, though, go, at Cracker I don't Barrel. hit Cracker Barrel late at night, but I think it does still open pretty late, but, um, hmm. We'd have to videotape it. But that'd be we kind of weird too. Every cracker Barrel, I'm sorry. Roger's going to comment on that, but he's chewing <laughs> on a piece of bacon and he, you know. It's true. You can get breakfast 24 hours, or not 24 yeah. hours, but uh, anytime they're open, you can yeah. get some breakfast. So that's, that's pretty good. So, <laughs> the um, anything you wanted before I launch into a couple things? Um, I mean, I got a one or two off topic things before I get into, um, into my sermon here. No, I'm just going to warn you that in the coming weeks, because they have some new thoughts about we're going to revisit James again. I'm just okay. going to say, it, I will put it off, so do, but I'm just letting you know that it will be coming someday. We need to just retitle the podcast. The, we, the, no, the, I'm just saying there's. it's just such a, to me, it's become a fascinating topic, but we'll we'll do it another time. That's got me in a little bit of trouble, but uh, online. You know, <laughs> no one to know personally. I guess you too, probably. It's, the, it's not the first time you've been in trouble, though, for stuff no. we've said, is it? Someone at a local congregation where we um, where we attend, uh, you know, it's a very small congregation, and uh, most people there don't even know. We have a podcast. Most people don't even know. You I don't wear we your Fields Brothers no, t- no. T-shirt uh, to your... I need to start wearing my uh, your head all jam up hat just to get questions <laughs> as a... Um, you got to explain what that means. Yeah, we've got know? the uh, the yo head all jam up is from the uh, pigeon version of Galatians three, which we quote in our book. And a friend of mine a few years ago um, made some hats. They were coming yeah. to visit and surprised me and made us a bunch of hats, so ball ball cap yeah. type hats. And on the front of it says yo head all jam up, and the back of it has a reference Galatians three one. So from the pigeon Bible, rather translations would say uh who has bewitched you or things like that this one says uh, under a hex are you foolish ways. galatians that says your yeah. head all jam up yeah. and don't yeah. let someone then it goes on someone put the big kahuna on you yeah. or what yeah. and so when we try to when when we're deceived into trying to finish in the flesh what god started in the spirit and we try to start mixing law and grace 
then uh, that's when our head all jam up and uh, Satan's put the big kahuna on yeah. us. And so, hey, speaking so we of, speaking of fix, mixing law and grace, I have not read the book, but you know, Andy Stanley has a new book out Did called Not, not In It to Win It. And he, I think it's the, the, according to the subtitle, I think it's a, a book about how the church should not be involved in politics because okay. it takes our message off. But I read a quote where they were talking about the contents of the book, and one of the critiques of the book that liked the book said that um, Charles Stanley talked about how not to mix the old and new covenants. I mean, Andy Stanley. Yeah, yeah. Not how to mix the old and new covenants. So well, we talk about it all the time. I mean, so he'd I already have to read the book now. You know, I so. mean, he already indicated some move that way in this yeah. in a previous book. Yeah, so yeah. it'd be interesting if yeah. he's uh, I think on that, I think so. the grace message of you know life on this side of the cross is really beginning to permeate. I think that is, you know, it's hard to gauge. Everybody, yeah. all, you know, yeah. everybody's always, I think it's been overused. Oh, this is a real movement. I'm working a move of God. Oh, yeah. and so you don't know yeah. what is and what right. isn't in our little sphere. It's not like we have a good handle, but, you know, yeah. but I do kind of think at times that, well, that there is increased understanding and proclamation of the true gospel of grace. And I think, honestly, I think Andrew Farley's had something to do yeah. with that. I think he's had an influence. I think people have listened to that and it's made sense to a yeah. lot of people. And Joseph you, Prince, I mean, yeah. he's extremely well known yeah. and. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. So that is good. Well, one thing I'm now this is definitely off topic. I saw I don't know if you saw this or not, but um you have a pet, right? You got a, a dog. dog. Sedona, Sedona, right? Yeah. Well Aussie Doodle. Okay. I, I saw a thing online. I, I don't know, you'd have to Google it, I guess you can find it. But there there is um you can pay for this, but it's not really expensive to get rapture pet care. Rapture pet really? care. Well, I mean, have you ever thought, okay, if the rapture comes and you and Lori are gone, who's going to take care of Sedona? So our dog's Sedona? not going with us, I guess we could say. Well, okay, uh, yeah, but say, uh, assume not for this purpose. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other theological discussion. Evidently, there's a company that you can pay. So they think they're still going to be here then. Well, they hire atheists. They, they oh, hire, <laughs> they hire, a, they hire either moly. They hire the people that are either atheists or non-Christians that but the love so pets if you're what's the name of this company i, I don't know okay so if you're an atheist that works for this company expecting to take care of pets who are left behind in the rapture and you come to the lord while you're at this company do you get fired then because you're uh, no probably so yeah you'd have to quit your job i'm sorry you charlie even though we're a christian company <laughs> you came to the lord last week we heard about what you did and we heard about you you know confessing jesus as your lord and savior putting your faith in him i'm sorry we're gonna have to let you go now so, so they how's get, that they get atheists and other just <laughs> other religious people People that are not Christians, but people that love pets, and so they probably you can get up to three pets for, and I forget the price, but it wasn't a lot. It was like thirty bucks or something like that. But well, you know, and the, that now, brings up some. I mean, not only spiritual <laughs> issues, but you know, really, how? Okay, let's say I sign up. Let's say I, I'm an atheist working for this company, and every the whole company's gone. The people are gone. Who's nobody's going to check on me to see if I'm actually? Well, taking I don't know care that the, the, com the company may, probably, may not be run by Christians. You know, it's probably well, maybe run all, by maybe they're all atheists, pagans yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, there so you, you go. just okay. gonna let, you can let Sedona just be on her own. Then sounds to me like you really don't care about Sedona. If you and Lori are gone, then Sedona will just have to well, fend I, for herself. I have some huh? friends I think will probably be left behind, and so I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking they'll probably take. No, honestly, I've never thought about that. What's going to happen to my dog? When after, you know, I mean, I'm assuming that God can have that figured out. You know. Okay, let me launch into my sermon here. I'll, I'll you, you can have comments from time to time. Well, thank obviously. you. Thank and you. Then, this is supposed that, to be a conversation. That, that yeah, okay. Yes, this would be a conversational sermon. But I got thinking about something the other day, and so I actually did a little bit of research. And uh, and put some notes together. Oh boy, and I embrace now. I'm just going to buckle in. Okay, what's going on? No, I think that this has been meaningful to me, and I think it could be meaningful 
to others. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of tell you where this is ending. Remember the old sermon things they used yeah. to tell us? Oh, what yeah. three parts? You, what, you first you, you first do what? You tell them. Where are you going? Well, you tell them what you're going to tell them. Then you tell them. Tell them what you told them. Then you tell them what you told Yeah. Tell them what you told them at the end. So so this is the part where I'm going to I'm going to tell you what I'm I'm telling you what I'm going to tell you. I don't think there's anything more transformative, more impactful in our lives than knowing that God lives in me. God okay. lives in you. All right. That God is in us. That, that is a key part to the whole new covenant. And that did not happen in the old covenant. No. The new covenant that God, you know, when the Corinthians were running into problems, having moral issues, Paul didn't tell them, well, don't you know the Ten Commandments say don't commit adultery? Don't mm-hmm. you know, you know, yeah. what, what did he say to them? He said, well, don't you know that your body yeah. is the temple of the Holy Spirit? In right. Romans 8, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now. And so it is, you know, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I don't think we can overestimate the impact of the realization, and it's a revelation. It's not just an intellectual yeah. understanding, but God revealing to us that his Spirit lives in you. That is a game changer for sure. And I think one of the ways, and so this hopefully will help maybe turn the light on for some folks, what I'm going to go through. As you know, I've had an increased um, appreciation lately and interest in seeing the gospel in the Old Testament. So this ties this. So I'm going to tie together three events that I don't know if anybody else has ever tied these three events together, but I see a common thread through this. So we're breaking ground here. We're okay. going to talk about the dedication of the temple in the Old Testament. Oh, boy, we're going to get deep. Now. Okay. <laughs> all right, here we go. I didn't say all that much. Dedication of the temple in the Old Testament. It's well, not like it was, you know, yeah. it's it's a story part. It's not like I'd said we're going to get into the dietary laws of Leviticus. Now, okay, that wouldn't be well, deep. The you know, just, of the temple. Just, we're not no, doing no, no. That. Just okay, the dedication just of the temple. And, the and ceremony. The, yes, okay, yes. Right, in, in the right. Old Testament. I'm good. Whatever you want to So do. that's event number one. Event number two is the baptism of Jesus. Okay, so I think that I think there's some interesting parallels between those two events that I'll bring out here, and then the third one is the day of Pentecost. All right. So one of the things that got me thinking long, well, I don't remember exactly what. And I quit laughing at me. I mean, so, <laughs> you're gonna have to connect these dots. I'm gonna, okay. All I'm right. getting heckled already here. One of the things, and and we talked about this one other time, but this is kind of fascinating. When Jesus was on trial, so we'll jump in there first before we go back to Second uh, Chronicles. When Jesus was on trial, you know, in any witness, they they often you know bring up things that they said. You know, any trial today, right, you right. know, if you're trying to find it, you know anything that they're on record as saying, right. that can be evidence. That's why your lawyer tells you to shut up. Right, right. Anything, yeah, right. basically, a good lawyer just tells you to shut up, and right. you know that's that's half of being a good lawyer or a defense lawyer anyway. So, so when Jesus was on trial, it says they tried to find some false witnesses that they couldn't, but they they did find some people. And they, and they quoted, now they misquoted, I'm going to point that out, but they, they quoted something that Jesus had said in his ministry. And it's the only thing in the trial that they pulled from Jesus' teaching to try to get him in trouble in the trial. Do you remember what the way, I mentioned it one other time, many podcasts ago, were you paying attention then? Probably not, but go ahead. No, I don't remember what that was. So at the trial, they said, this man stated... I am able, this Matthew twenty yeah. six sixty one. Right. this man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. Now, that's a misquote. He didn't say, I am able to destroy the temple of God. He, he said, destroy said, this he temple. Said, he, he, in John 2, so read, that, read about that here in a second. So, we'll go ahead and read that. So, in John 2, so back to that, John 2, 19 through 22, 
Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So we're right. just telling them, okay, right. you destroy it, which they did. Right. You know? But then it, his by well, then the, the actual building got destroyed later on. But So he says, John 2, 19-22, destroy this temple, in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body, when therefore he was raised raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So after he died and rose again, they thought back to this. Yeah. But this is what got him in, one of the things that got him in trouble at the trial. They said, you know, again, they misquoted him here. But one of the verses, the phrase that I find fascinating here, John 2 again, it says, after when he had raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus has spoken. What scripture did they believe? So after he raises from the dead, is raised from the dead, they remember that he predicted that, and they tied that together, and it says, and they believed the scripture. Now, I don't know the answer to that. What do they believe got, that what Jesus said was scripture? Well, I'm, I don't no? think that's what I've seen. You know, no. They believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So, I mean, I think they the lights went on for them for some Old Testament scriptures oh, that they believed that be. in this. So then, but then in Matthew 27, uh, when he's on the cross, it says, and those who passed by derided him, wrapping or wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. So they brought it up in his trial, but then, then also- They were upset about that. Yes, I mean, that, that was a big deal. Thing, yeah. yeah, that was a big deal. And so while he's hanging on the cross, he's already been convicted. He is dying on the cross. Though they says derided him, uh, ESV, they derided him, wagging their heads and saying, "You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself! If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross." So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, "He saved others; he cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe him." So that was Matthew and John two. Right. Right there, okay. okay. Go back to Second Chronicles now. Right. That the the dedication of the temple is what leads up to that familiar verse, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, that everyone takes out of context and, and misquotes. If my people, which are called by my name, so that happened when Solomon was dedicating the temple. I went back and read uh, read that whole section. For one thing, I'd forgot that you know when God says, "Okay, it, you know, if my people who are called by my name," He is responding to Solomon's request. The chapter before, Solomon asked him. If this happens and we do this, will you do this? And so God's basically just repeating back to him in chapter seven what Solomon had asked for in chapter six, saying, mm -hmm. yes, if my people, which are called by my name, yeah. and all that. So the temple's being dedicated. They'd had the tabernacle, but they didn't, never had a temple before. So that is a big deal. They're dedicating the temple. When Explain they, the difference. Tabernacle was a portable temple that right, moved around. A tent, basically a real big, fan, big elaborate fan, tent. Yeah, elaborate tent, and the temple was a permanent structure. So building. both had the three parts, the right. Holy of Holies, Holy Place, and the outer court, but, but they never had a permanent structure. Okay. You know, God's desire is always to be in his people, with us, and not just with us, but in us. And so... They had the tabernacle that was there, but they never had a permanent dwelling, you know, there in Jerusalem. So they build the temple. They bring the sacrifice um, to the temple. And it says in Second Chronicles, I think it's around chapter 6, where there is uh, 6 and 7, fire comes down from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the place to where the priest could not even minister. I mean, so the presence of God, the Spirit of God, so you have fire and you have the Spirit of God there at the dedication of the temple. And so Solomon asked, you know, God for these things and God says, "Yes, if if you'll do this." But then God 
the part after Second Chronicles. We know Second Chronicles 7, 14. I'm going to read you Second Chronicles 7, starting in verse 19. So God's speaking to Solomon. But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck you up from my land I have given you and the house that I have consecrated from my name I will cast out of my sight. And I will make it a proverb and, and byword among all peoples. And at this house, which was exhausting, exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, why has the Lord done this thus to this land and to this house? Then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this disaster upon them. So he promises, and goes on in other ones as well, that they would be ridiculed, basically. And so that if they, if they don't follow him, then this house you know, that he has consecrated for himself will be destroyed and they will be mocked for it. Okay. And so then Jesus says, destroy this house and I will rebuild it in three days. And so his body, and it says, you know, his body. So his body is being destroyed essentially on the cross. He's mm-hmm. being killed and people are mocking him and wagging him. So I see that a little bit of a fulfillment huh. of that in here. Then in St. Corinthians, or still in Chronicles, rather, St. Chronicles seven sixteen. for now I have chosen, so this is before that threat, so there's just two verses after 14, before the consequences of what happens if they don't. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house, this house that my name may be there forever, my eyes and my heart will be there for all time. So good promise from the Lord in that, but it depended on their obedience and their faithfulness. So I started thinking about those two things. You got the temple in the Old Testament. Jesus said his body is the nipple. Then I started noticing parallels from Matthew 3. So when Jesus is baptized, when Jesus is baptized, John says, you know, he will baptize. You know, John says about Jesus, he'll baptize you with with fire and with the Spirit. And then when Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. So the Spirit and the presence of God in the temple, the Spirit of God coming down upon Jesus. I don't know all the significance of that, the Spirit of the dove and all that um, at that point, but I, I do think there's some parallels there. So you've got spirit and fire there as well. Um, and then we come to the day of Pentecost where you know Peter says, this is that, and he quotes from Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so I see the baptism almost like a dedication of the temple at the baptism, but then the, you know, at the cross. At Jesus' the, baptism, a dedication. At Jesus' the baptism there. And, you know, that's a baptism. That's, a, that's an interesting you know, I have to ponder there. this. Okay, this is a little bit deep. <laughs> well, I'll wrap it up I for mean, you here okay, in a second. We're, the, we're, we're more, than, here, we're, we're more than halfway through here. All but, right, okay. You know, the baptism, John, what baptism of repentance. Well, Jesus didn't need to repent, and it talks about they came confessing their sins. So Jesus is identifying with us, I think. So that sin that was warned about in Chronicles that would lead to the destruction, you know, Jesus is identifying with that sin. And then on the cross, the temple is is destroyed. But then... So in the Old Testament, you had the Spirit of God, God dwelling in a building there, essentially. Right. Then Jesus comes, you have God dwelling through his Spirit in the body of Jesus Christ. God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. But then on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus has died and rose again, essentially the temple was destroyed like was told about in St. Chronicles, and people wagged you know their heads and, and mocked uh, him at that point. But then in in uh, Acts 2, um, and then also later on with the Gentiles, later on in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon all flesh, it says. Right. And so God with us in the temple in the Old Testament, in the body of Jesus, and then his death and resurrection, 
Uh, it is it is the Spirit of God, the presence of God living within all of us. And so we read in places like Ephesians 2, so then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household. And it goes on talking about the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We talked about that in another context the other day. Grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So you had the Spirit. And in the other parallels, too, you know, Solomon built the temple. He was the son of David. David couldn't build it. It was the son of David. Well, Jesus is the son of David and the son of God as well. So you have the spirit at the dedication of the temple and fire. You have the spirit at the baptism of Jesus and fire mentioned. Then a spirit, uh, spirit of Pentecost. You have the tongues of fire and the, and the spirit given out then. So 1 Corinthians 6, and do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So I just think when you see the history of that and it building up to that, I think that kind of helps maybe turn the lights on that, all right, let me, let me, all right, let me, let me, lives uh, let, in, uh, let me interject one thing. So, okay. Okay. All right. I, I agree with, I think I agree with all that. Um, I think you agree. With yeah. That. I have to ponder a little bit. I mean, I do agree <laughs> with it. I have to think of all the facets of it, maybe, but I do agree with it. Um, you know, but, but even in the old Testament, um, and, and, uh, Stephen points this out in acts, God was never confined to the temple. Right. I mean, his presence was there, dwell. but he was never confined. You know, so right. the earth is his throne uh, heaven's throne or this is still what building can you build so when stephen you know gives this long sermon in um, in acts and at the end people are so mad they stone him for his sermon i mean i've had some i preached some bad sermons but nobody's ever killed me for my sermon yeah. he preached a sermon that was so upsetting so offensive so controversial they killed him for his sermon so you have to think what was in this sermon well the sermon he go in well go through it maybe at another time, but he goes through their history, the Jewish history, to explain to them that God was never confined. I mean, he talks about how Moses in Egypt, God said you were staying on holy ground. You know, God was there in Egypt. That wasn't in the holy mm-hmm. land. It wasn't in the temple. He talked about Naaman the leper. He talks about all kinds That's of That's where he went Testament to a Gentile. Stories. That's yeah. why part of got yeah. him in trouble yeah. there too. Yeah. Pointing out that God even went to a Gentile. Yeah. And that God was never confined to the Jewish people and to mm-hmm. the temple. Um, even though that's where he primarily kind of, I guess, operated. I'm saying, that's know, even before um, before Cornelius. That's yeah. before the spirits yeah. poured yeah. out to the Gentiles. So. And so when Stephen explained to the Jews through their own history that God's never just been only in the temple, which is what they thought, um, because they knew what, what the gospel was getting at. They knew that the gospel was, was good news of what God has done for us, that through that, uh, what Jesus had done, that uh, God's spirit lives within us. They knew that, and so Stephen lays that out how that's possible, even using their old script, own scriptures, and they mm-hmm. killed him for it. So, and there's both an individual aspect of God living in us and a corporate aspect. I think it's used both ways. In I the hate New that Testament. word too, corporate. You know? Well, okay, uh, our corporate group doesn't that sound like a group, corporate? Okay. Like I said, you got to have corporate worship. <laughs> Boy, that sounds exciting. Corporate, but you know. know, when you think about all this, and I'm going to go back and read the one verse from Second Chronicles seven sixteen. God speaking here: For now, I have chosen and concentrated consecrated this house. Now, there he was talking about the, the actual temple, but we know now that he's also talking, you know, that we yeah, are that temple. Absolutely prepared. So, for I have chosen yeah. and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. Yeah. I mean, that is encouraging that every one of us can hear God saying that about us. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time that my name may be there forever. And, and, and that is life-changing. And there's some that. amazing promises about how the Holy Spirit will never leave us. Um, he seals us 
uh, yeah. seals our salvation. Um, one of the discussions that seems like I always get in with people is most people only believe the Holy Spirit does one thing, which is the one thing he doesn't do, and that is they believe he convicts of sin. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things I want to do, I, I thought about going through it with this podcast, one of the upcoming podcasts is showing the things the Holy Spirit really does do. Now, mm-hmm. with the world, he does do that, the world, uh, which is interesting because we always think it's our job to make the world feel bad about their sin. Mm-hmm. And actually, the Holy Spirit does that very well, and we don't have to do that job. We don't have yeah. to always beat the world up for their sin. We just point people to Jesus. Yeah, but we just... what the Holy Spirit does do for the believer is show us the good things we have in Christ and a lot of other things. But anyway... But... The idea that at the cross, you know, all those warnings that were given in St. Chronicles, Jesus took for us. Yeah. You yeah, know, he, yeah. and so that was, he took that destruction for us, but then he also resurrected and poured out his spirit to have a new temple that would never, ever again have to deal with that consequence and could, you know, receive the fulfillment of that promise that, that my name will be there forever. My eyes, my heart will be there for all time. I like so, it. I mean, that's kind of an in-depth so, Bible study today. On this thank one. you. But, you know, I, 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 I'm in, I think <laughs> I'm in there with you. All right. I Hopefully like it, it helped a few folks. So. Yeah. Got one little thing, if you don't. Go ahead. Uh, a friend of ours uh, that we know down in Knoxville, she and her husband, she posted something the other day. Kind of started out, what are you going to wear today? You know, somehow everyone, we wake up, what are we going to wear today? She pointed out in the New Testament, you know, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of who we are, we can go, okay, this is what we can put on. Uh, gentleness, kindness, humility. And talking about the uh, the demoniac that was delivered, you know, after he was delivered, how did they find him? Clothes. Sitting yeah. and clothes. Yeah. You know, he didn't used to wear clothes. But, yeah. you know, when he'd been delivered by Jesus, he was in his right mind and clothed. And so a decent question we can ask ourselves, what are we going to wear today in terms of and because so we put are on in the Christ, new self. Put yeah. on the new self yeah. because that, that yeah. fits who we are because yeah. that's who we are. Yeah. Not out of a law, not out of a threat. That if we don't, something bad is going to happen. But just because it's it's who we are, it's what it's what fits. So.